This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are trying very hard these days to kick writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, last week we talked about animals, and you did, I don't i don't know if it was a threat or a promise, a f- several weeks ago, <laughs> you, you said that we might be talking about your garden some more. So is that something that you want to talk about during the chit-chat phase of this episode? Oh, my lovely, lovely garden. Um, Yeah, my garden. I grew grew two lettuce, and then a wily caterpillar came along and put some holes in them. Uh, My trough garden part of my trough garden is going really, really good, because they're like, I don't know, two feet, two and a half feet off the ground, and it's just... The vegetables that are in there are growing completely differently than the ones that are in my standard little raised garden beds. They're only like maybe eight inches off the ground. And it's like night and day difference. But I got, um, uh, I finally got my sprinkler system. My, uh, it's like a little mini system set up for drip watering and drip whatever. Didn't get it the way that I wanted to. So far, it's just kind of there, so at least it can be watered. And then it's been raining almost nonstop ever since, so (laughs) I haven't really had much of a chance to use it. But so far, I might get more than one tomato out of this thing. Um, I got a pepper off my pepper plant. It it was beautiful orange and very tiny and very tasty. My one pepper, my one thing that I've grown. And so now it's we're waiting to see. I've got the zucchini, squash, cucumbers, tomatoes. Onions. I pulled a couple onions out of out of it just to see how they're doing. Um, there's they originally got planted like not my garden in somebody else's garden on the ground, like an in-ground garden, and something just came along and ate all the tops off all the onions. Probably the chickens because I don't think rabbits eat those. And but in my garden, <laughs> the onions are growing great. Nobody's messed with them. So I pulled a couple out just to see what they look like. And they're, you know, when you go to the, the grocery store and you buy like spring onions or green onions, that's the stage that they're in right now. So I ate them and they were very delicious. So, so far I've scored one pepper and two green onions out of my garden. <laughs> so you're not quite, done... you're not quite entirely self-sufficient yet with your garden. No, not in the least. Um, but it's it's interesting. This is the first time I've ever done one. Um, I've watched other people grow things, and I, I have a black thumb. So now I, can, I think my thumb is turning maybe hazel. I don't know. Um, but it, I haven't killed anything yet, so that's kind of cool. And we'll just see. I don't I don't really understand a whole lot about you know pH and soil and increasing this or increasing that or feeding this or planting this the right time of year. I'm just kind of winging it. So, you know, maybe next year I'll know more. All right. So if you were out in your garden and you were, let's say, shoveling and you jammed the shovel down into the dirt and you're probably, you know, you're a vigorous person. So you're probably very strong and and you would go way <laughs> deep 
way deep in the ground. What would happen if you accidentally hit your foot? What would you say? Steve, you're hilarious. <laughs> so that's, that's my lame transition into the topic for today's show, which is swearing in fiction. So yes, profanity, profanity, swearing. So I wanted to talk about that today. So um, anybody who's been following me for a while has probably read, knows that I have a piece out there called um, Oh Bleep Swearing. And it's about profanity and fiction. And it's about how um, I don't really get a lot of negative email from readers. I get a lot of love, not a lot of negativity. Negativity usually shows up in the reviews. But anytime someone does take the time to complain about something in my book, nine times out of 10, they're going to complain about the swearing. And that always has baffled me because that book is violent. It's bloody. It's gory. It's gruesome. There's beheading. Nobody's ever complained about the violence ever and i just don't get this about writing to an author about a book that's already written there's nothing you can do to change it author can't change it to complain about fictional characters saying bad words in a bloody violent gory book and from that i'm like okay in other words, we're okay with decapitation as long as you don't swear while you're cutting somebody's head off. And the 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 dichotomy, juxtaposition, whatever the correct word is between those two, it just it's like my brain explodes. I just don't get it. Like, how are we okay lopping off arms and legs but not saying bad words? Like, where where does that come from? I don't get it. So anyway, I wrote this whole piece about that. And I get a lot of great response about that piece. People are like, yeah, absolutely. And um, I once sent it to somebody, instead of trying to explain myself, somebody who complained to me about swearing, I just said, here, read this. <laughs> I was so, so annoyed with it. Probably not the smartest move. But, um, in and, and I've always maintained that, you know, look, these characters, this is real, these characters, the only thing that keeps them grounded in these very over-the-top characters, over-the-top plots, is this sense of reality. And these types of characters don't say, oh, poo-poo, I stubbed my thumb, I stubbed my toe, or whatever, you know. What, oh, drat, we're having such a bad day, you know. They're foul-mouthed people, as am I, by the way. Um, and, and, you know, since then I've read studies about people who swear a lot are more honest. People who uh, swearing actually reduces pain, like physical sensations of pain. There's like a whole study about swearing, which I didn't know at the time that I was writing that piece. But anyway, here I am now reading the book that started it all, the book for which I get the most complaints about swearing. And I'm going along, minding my own business, and there's a, you know, a swearing here or a swearing there, and it just doesn't really jump out at me. And then I hit the chapter <laughs> where <laughs> I don't, let me see, I gotta look through my notes real fast and see if I can even figure out what chapter it is. Um, it's like chapter 20 or 21 or something like that in that general area. And the F-bombs are flying. I mean, they are everywhere. And I, the person who still regrets nothing 
about that post, that, that essay that I did about swearing, is sitting here going, yeah, I probably could have cut out a few <laughs> There are a lot of them, and they are a little bit distracting in this one segment. Before that, they were not. After that, not even so much. But in this one segment, it got a little bit over the top. So, okay, the people who are complaining about it might have maybe had a little tiny bit of a point. But it made me think this is a really good topic to discuss swearing. Again, I, I stand by everything I wrote. I, I will continue to swear in fiction. I will continue to use whatever language that I choose to use. And anybody who's read my stuff knows that I have no shortage of vocabulary. It's not like I'm swearing because I don't know bigger, better words. I'm swearing because it feels better and it feels right and I want to. So that's not changing. Maybe the quantity could have been toned down a little bit in that instance. But I noticed that moving forward, I tend, there's really, I, I, I'm really curious to see in future books whether the swearing goes down. Uh, I guess to the level of the rest of that book outside of those one or two chapters. But yes, let's discuss swearing in fiction. Should you do it? Should you not do it? What are the pros? What are the cons? Are there any downsides? Yes, there are many. <laughs> are there upsides? Well, you know, do you want to do it? Does it make you feel good? So yeah, that's the direction that I want to go with this. Let me just say that I have a, a an author friend who writes a series with a lot of swearing in it. And I really enjoy the series. It's, it's fun. And she did a, a survey in her Facebook group, which was, does the swearing bother you? And to a large extent, the group is self-selecting in, in that if you, if you read the books and like them, you're going to want to be in the group. And if right. the swearing is too much for you, you're going to stop reading after the first book or maybe halfway through the first book, and you don't get a chance to take the survey. So I, I was confused, not by the results of the survey, <clears throat> which overwhelmingly were in favor of continuing it, but by the idea of even having that survey inside her group, which guarantees a skewed right. result. The, the thing that I'm working on right now, I'm actually going through and paring out everything other than the word dammit, D-A-M-M-I-T. Any, any swearing is coming out other than that, I think. I think it's all coming out. And there wasn't much in there to begin with, but it's my, mine I, are, my book yeah, is a no, completely different type of book than yours, and my characters are different than yours. And... I can get away with not having it, and I don't know that you could get away with not having it. I think to an extent I probably could, and I, I have very clear uh, thoughts on this in, in a second in terms of what I feel is appropriate and not appropriate for me at this time in my career. But um, I think that the issue of swearing, generally speaking, is one that it, you really have to know your audience. Like people who've written to me in response to that essay often tell me, and I, and I had this ping in my head as I was reading that particular chapter thinking I might have overdone it, um, telling me they didn't even notice the swear words. And so that's why when I did notice them, I was like, uh, I'm noticing these. <laughs> I'm really glad so many of you didn't. Um, there are 
the, the downside of using profanity is that you can always offend people by using it. You de- never offend people by not using it, if that makes any sense. But by not using it, if you don't have a creative way to express the same sentiment, outrage, hurt, pain, whatever, then it can feel as if you're, um, you don't have, there's a certain sense of realism that's missing. In other words, you don't have to swear for the realism, but if you don't exchange that swearing in an, in an appropriate sense where it feels authentic, then the absence of the swearing can almost be as noticeable as when the swearing is there. Um, There are some genres that you just are wiser not to swear in. I mean, obviously any cozy or any very lighthearted thing, um, swearing has a sort of darkness to it that takes it into a different feeling, um, especially some swear words. Um, you know, George Carlin had this very famous monologue called The Seven Words You Can Never Say on Television. Um, and, you know, I think the standards have changed somewhat since then, um, except they're the, the mother of all words that you really can't get away with saying is, of course, the F word. And then there's a C word. And when you start combining, combining those F words and C words together in any whatever combination, those are going to run you into trouble in where you're going to trigger those offense sensors in people who are are reading them and writing. And I think, honestly, that the words themselves, those swear words, are almost more assaultive to your eyes as you're reading them than they are to your ears as you're hearing them, because we're so used to hearing those words being expressed in everyday language. We hear it, we see it on TV, um, uh, movies, songs, lyrics, whatever. So, and in the the daily conversations going on around us, unless you are very, um, it depends on who you're hanging out with, obviously. But, you know, if you've ever hung out with the military types or, you know, the contractor types, the oil worker types, and you just kind of, the, the, the amount of swearing that goes on is the F word is almost a comma. Um, and it can get very creative in, in the switch up of how these different words are thrown together to mean different things. So you get used to hearing it where you almost, it doesn't even register as offensive when you're hearing it in, in everyday conversation, but to see it on the page is different and it, it has a much stronger impact. And I think that's where I would have I go down, at least in that one chapter, cut a few of them back because it was assaultive in how often it came across on the page that it just wouldn't to the ear. Um, well, let, let me offer a, nowadays, a, 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 an opposite yeah. opinion because for me it is the exact opposite. When I read it in books, it doesn't bother me at all. When I hear it, it does. Okay. And well, I, I, you know, be... you and I are different in, in our use of language in a number of ways. I try really hard not to swear at all. I, I, I'm not good at it, but um, I try really hard <laughs> got, not to. I've got such a potty mouth. And you are, I, you, are, you are the opposite, yeah. uh, uh, unless we're recording. Yes, and then you, you do a good job of um, keeping it out. But try. when I read it, I don't... It, it's almost like a name that I can't pronounce, like a character name that I can't pronounce. Okay, it's just like yeah. I just zip over it. It's just, you know, it's just words, and I, 
I don't even see it most of the time um, in books, but when I hear it, it's jarring. So we are the exact opposite in that respect. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up. And it's it's possible that in some ways, you know how we've talked about how our brains process information, mm-hmm. whether we're vi- we think in thoughts like visual or we think in words, it's possible how we react to stuff like this also has some bearing on how our brains process information. Like in other words, we're different. Mm-hmm. And Whatever. So that's that's really cool. I'm glad you. Yeah, got and that we up. had when we were talking about how our our brains process information, we were sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum there as well. Yeah, we were. Yeah. So, um, you know, getting all those complaints from people about the swearing in my fiction, having to de- defend it, and I don't mean defend it as in you know feeling defensive about it, but when I wrote that essay, I was basically establishing my own conscious level of understanding of why I do what I do. And, but so having gone through all of that, getting the negativity about it, analyzing it, replying to it, it's forced me to think and come to terms with where I stand on this. So you'll find that as my books progress, or at least I will see if I find that, since I'm <laughs> going to move on in reading the series, see if this stands true. Um, I, there is less swearing in them overall. But when it came time to write the Jack and Jill series, I was more conscious about writing it than I ever have been. I'm not conscious, deliberate, more deliberate about writing it than ever before. And what I chose to do was be very clear about who swears and who doesn't. So you'll notice that Jack doesn't swear, at least not with F words. He might you say, you know, the, the swearing version of crap but or poop. But um, generally speaking, even in his narrative, his, his thoughts, it's pretty clean. Holden doesn't swear. I don't think Claire swears. All the swearing in that book is Jill. She is the pot, potty mouth. And the reason I did that is because it's true to her character. Jill is foul mouth, impulsive, aggressive, act first, think later type of a person. And it didn't make any sense to me that a character like that would be careful with her language. So she expresses her thoughts in vulgar terms. And sometimes creatively so. I tried to be a little bit more creative in the language that she uses. But if and when Jack started to get heated and wanted to swear, he found, there are ways that he expresses it that it just never quite says the words. And if you go back and read it now, you'll notice it. But I doubt that anybody who was reading it noticed it ever. In fact, I still got complaints about how full of profanity those books were. But nobody ever noticed that it was only one character. So I didn't do that for um, for the sake of trying to limit complaints or anything like that. Because like I said, I stand by what I wrote in that essay completely. Take none of it back. But I felt that if it was if I was going to write something that I knew could potentially be offensive to readers, I better have a good reason for it. And so I've been deliberate and conscious in my actions for it and not just throwing them in there because it felt true to the character. It's how, you know, the potty potty mouth expressions or whatever that I would have done in the past. 
So that's kind of my take on profanity in fiction in terms of how I do it. And I would say if anybody asked me for advice on it, it would be know your audience, know yourself. Um, don't throw swearing in there for the sake of it because you think it's going to make your books edgier or whatever. That's completely counterproductive and it's going to not feel right because if it's not natural to you to swear, your characters are going to stumble over how to swear <laughs> properly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, to not have swearing on your, it, there's less of a chance of error in not having swear swearing in your books than there is to include it. No one's ever going to write to you and complain about how there was no swearing in your books. No one's ever going to write a bad review about how there was too little swearing in your books. So when you do swear, you better have a good reason for it. it that you want to is good enough, but at least know why you're doing it and be prepared that you may lose readers over it. And if you're okay with that, by all means, swear away. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. The, you said the idea of knowing your audience, and that's also a way of segmenting, you know, like excluding people that you don't want in your audience, which is not, a, not necessarily a bad thing to do because um, fiction will appeal to a certain type of person. I don't know that anyone's ever written a book that just appeals to everybody. So no. if, if you can do something that will exclude the people that aren't going to like your books anyway, that's probably not a bad thing to do. I work with a guy who his lead character, her thing, in, in addition to other things, but one of the things that made her unique was that she was a very creative uh, person when it came to swearing. And so that became a focal point of the series. And when people started complaining in the reviews about the swearing, he amped it up to get rid of them. Yeah, that's great. And so he that's actually great. opened, you know, the first book that, that got kind of shredded for swearing, I think was book four or something like that. So in the fifth book, he just opened it up with a rant. Just, you know, it just started with the F word and went from there. And now the only people that read his books are the people that are okay with that. And he never gets the complaints about swearing anymore. Yeah, what's, yeah, no, I, I get, I get that. What's interesting is the people who have tried to emulate that, and they can't do it because, as you said, it's not a natural part of their lives. It's and and when you try yeah. and, uh, you know, we all see it when you're you see if you're hanging around with people that swear a lot, it's just human nature to try and not try to. You just it's hard to stop yourself. But uh, for so many of us who don't normally swear, it's like you come across as such a lame when you do it. It's just like such a ludicrous <laughs> excuse for swearing that you just kind of want to slink off around the corner and <laughs> just be done with it. And it can come across that way in yeah. books, too. That was, that was a really good point. I knew a yeah. – uh, I read a book one time and interviewed an author. I think I've told this story before. His name was Joshua Graham. And Joshua writes hardcore thrillers. And as I was interviewing him, he said something about swearing that he doesn't have swearing in his books. And I didn't – I hadn't recognized that he didn't have swearing in his book. It's, they were the kinds of books that, that would be riddled with swearing. So I actually had to go back and look, and it wasn't there. And he just replaced it by using other things. 
So he made the decision not to do that, but it was unusual, um, really unusual in, thrillers, in that yeah. in that particular genre. Yeah, and not I mean not all thrillers have swearing in them. Um, that's why I say that you you can't you're not going to get people complaining about the lack of swearing. But like you said, he found creative ways to replace it, right? And that's really really key is that if there's a situation where you feel like somebody would naturally in that scenario be using F-bombs as punctuation and it's not there and you replace it in a way that doesn't feel natural, it's going to feel a little stilted, I think. But it's not difficult to replace it if you're conscious about it and deliberate about it. So once you've made up your mind of what you're going to do, then you just set out to do that thing well. I wonder if there is a, because I've read reviews before of um, John Sanford, for example, where it's almost as though people will count the number of F-bombs in there. And if if you get over a certain level, then they're going to complain about it. And it's just like uh, his his you know the swearing has gotten so much worse in this book, and I, I just don't know if I can read any more kind of things in the reviews. And I just like I wonder if there's an acceptable level uh, beyond which it's like okay, this is excessive, and maybe it's when it gets to the point where it's like punctuation or it's too many characters instead of in the Jack and Jill book where it's just this one character who is that's just the way she is. I. I, my 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 opinion on that just bifurcated. Where on the one hand, I'm thinking there are some people who get all their joy out of life in nitpicking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's their mission in life is I'm going to count how many swear words are in this thing, and I'm going to write a nasty letter. You know, and then there's no pleasing them. You know, it doesn't matter if you did 20 or you did 200. They're going to go, you used 20. You whatever. Okay. That's them. There's nothing you can do about them. And then there's the other side of, is there, are there too many? And I think the answer to that is always going to be situational. Does it feel gratuitous? Does it feel like you just don't care? Does it feel like you're deliberately trying to be provocative? I mean, it, it really depends on what your goal is, what your intent is, what your audience is, who you are as a person, what you're trying to express. There's just so much of that involved. But I would say that the more of them there are in there, eventually it's like uh, everybody's maybe has their threshold. And the further up that mountain you go, the more behind you're leaving people because they've hit their max and they're just like, yeah, this is too much, right? So what is that line? I don't know. It's going to vary from person to person. Um, some people just don't, some people are going to follow you all the way up that mountain. They just do not care. And some people might only make it halfway and some people will see the first one and walk off and, and be done with you. So just based on what your your goal is, you know, who you are. And so much of writing for, for some authors is, um, it's that expression of artistic creativity, right? And if you start to feel like you're being put in a box and you can't fully express yourself, then you, you can lose the joy of storytelling because you're now you're just following rules. Right. Um, but 
then you got to ask yourself, you know, is following this rule going to be in my best interest? So it's, it's just so situational. I think that um, one thing for people who find themselves, like me, right, I find myself overly swearing because um, I'm such a huge potty mouth is just write it, write it in there. And then when you're coming back and editing it, just edit them out when it feels to be a bit too much, don't stifle yourself while you're writing it. Don't, don't care. I mean, if you, if you are naturally a potty mouth like me and you want to write a book that has no swearing in it, swear as you're writing, just go ahead. And then as you're coming back for future drafts, then you hit those swear words, you can start cleaning it up, editing, finding other ways to say what you wanted to say or whatever. Um, so just know what it is you want and then have fun and go at it. Oddly enough, almost every instance that I have found I didn't even need to replace the word with something else. It just was extraneous. I could just delete it, and it didn't change anything. It was just yep. an expression that that just added. It, it added. It added what it added. Um, I yeah. have heard it said, and I'd, I'd be curious about your opinion about this. I've heard it said by multiple people. I don't. I have no idea whether this is true or not. But um, there's a theory that one of the reasons that young adult fiction is so popular with adults is that it's the language is clean. So the stories are adult level stories, but the language is clean. I would say that, I mean, okay, I'm talking out of my rear for this. I'm just like off the top of my head. My opinion is worth absolutely zero. I offer it anyway. Uh, that that's like way oversimplifying things. I, I would say that possibly one of the reasons that adult uh, young adult fiction is so popular with adults is because of its simplicity of life in the sense that the, the issues that are being tackled are very pertinent to young adults, even if you're dealing with death, cancer, um, you know, uh, heartbreak or whatever. But it's you're not it doesn't typically generally tend to pull in all the other crap that adults have to deal with, like paying bills and, uh, you know, legal issues and tax issues. And it's it's Mm -hmm. very it's it's clean. It's 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 um, it's focused in on those emotional components without the distraction of everything else that goes on in adulthood. Okay, All right. That sounds good to me. Well, I mean, it's if I didn't, it's if I didn't agree, I would start swearing at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both know that's not true. <laughs> I remember there there was a a book that I saw that where the plot line really appealed to me. The idea behind the book uh, really appealed to me. It was a family of thieves, and it was a best-selling young adult book. And this author was a young adult author, and I like I I don't want to read about kids. But I'm going to download it and see if I like it. So I read enough of it, and it's like, in the first chapter, it's like, here's so-and-so. They're in high school. And that was it. There was no other mention of their age. They were essentially 30-year-olds where the author said they were 17 in the first chapter. They had no parental guidance anywhere. They had unlimited money, and they just did what they did. But the fact that they said that they were 17 in the first chapter or in high school in the first chapter and there was no swearing and there was no sex apparently meant this was a YA book and, and it was a very popular series. Of course. I mean, that's all the 
the movies that I mean, as as a young person, I fantasized about being having all the adult decision making power of being able to do whatever you wanted and whatever without anybody telling you what to do, but none of the responsibility, right? Of course it's popular with adults too. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. We thank you guys very much for listening. If you have any comments, because this is probably a, a topic where you do have a strong opinions one way or the other. We would love to hear oh, from you. for sure. Either via email, and if you're too nasty with your comments, then Taylor will just send you the link to her, the article that she had written several years ago, <laughs> which we will also link to in the show notes. So you'll be able to read that if you haven't read it already. But we'd love to hear from you either through email or in the uh, Taylor Stevens fan club. group. Thanks for being here, guys. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Thanks for listening. We will be back in your ear next Tuesday.